0: Hello, welcome back to the latest episode of You Are My Borough with myself Tom Shaw of the Northern Echo and my tour of the BBC Tees studio continues. It was Mark Drury last week, it's Rob Law this week. Your debut, Rob. How does it feel?
1: Uh I'd like to thank all the people who got me here. Um yeah, can we as can see, yeah, as you can see, uh, we've rolled out the red carpet cuz you are in what is known as the uh, the BBC Radio Tees dungeon. So if I um Oh, I'll show you behind the curtain, everyone. So, for a turn, you can see it's not as glamorous as it looks. Uh, this is just all loads of rubbish that is yet to be thrown out. My bosses will thank me for showing you all that, but uh, yeah, feels good. Thanks for having me on; really appreciate it, mate.
0: I'm definitely not going to turn the camera here because I'm in the process. <laughs> I was saying before I'm in the process of um, of moving what was my office into the nursery. Clearly, more important matters. Um, of course, yeah. So, so the bed is covered in baby wipes and contraptions that we obviously used when Ezra was a baby and now we're gonna now we're gonna need again in the next couple of months, which you know all about obviously, because um, yeah, your second came a few months ahead of mine. You were at Bolton last night. Rob, yes. um, we'll have a chat about that. We'll obviously talk transfers a couple of days until the the, the, uh, the deadline on Friday night uh, and just about Borough in general as we approach the first international break. It, it mm. felt like a big win last night. and I know it, clearly Cup isn't a priority for Borough this season. And we know that. We, we have that conversation every year. But, but mm. given the, the slow start, it felt like a big win that will hopefully act as something of a springboard.
1: Yeah, hopefully. And look, Cup games at this point in the season can be a gateway, can't they? For teams like Middlesbrough who are going through a spell like they've been going through, which is, you know, without a win in the league, um, Michael Carrick's kind of been holding it together in front of the press and not putting too much pressure on his team, but he will have wanted uh, a better start, I'm sure, than, than what they've got. And the League Cup allows to build momentum, doesn't it? If you can get the results. And it was a tricky one last night because I was there and uh, doing the research before the game and, and just looking at at Bolton and where they were at. They had a few injuries and stuff which hampered them a little bit. But I mean, they've been flying. They're amongst the favourites to get promoted from from League One. They had a really heavy defeat against Wigan then a, a draw uh, at the weekend against Burton Albion. And a, a few fans already sort of getting on the back of Ian Everett saying, oh, you know, we should be getting past teams like Burton Albion and doing this and doing that and expectation really high there. So I I did think it would be a really tricky tie and it wouldn't be as easy as, well, Middlesbrough championship and Bolton, the league one and the math sorts it out for itself. Um, And yeah, first half wasn't, wasn't great. Was it? wasn't the the biggest spectacle you'll ever see. Uh, But second half, whatever Michael Carrick said at at halftime really had an impact. And it was just wave after wave in that second half of red and white attack. Uh, obviously, attacking the goal where there was nigh on 3,000 travelling Borough fans who were brilliant throughout the whole night. And those scenes at the end with the two quick-fire goals to avoid a penalty shootout, uh, if you're going to win it anyway, any which way, to, to, to do it like that in front of the travelling support, always uh, I'm sure always goes down well. But yeah, it could have been a tricky tie. In the end, it wasn't helps. Borough build a bit of momentum going into QPR on Saturday, really.
0: Yeah, it, it did feel in that second half, didn't it? Where it was attack versus defence, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, Bolton tired quite quickly, um, but it but it it began to have that feeling of it's not going to be it's not going to be Borough's night, didn't it? Um, yeah, Freddie, Riley, McGree and Morgan Rogers making the changes. McGree especially then, because it, you know. It, he was left out for a couple of games. He came in against West Brom on Saturday. It Wasn't great. Borough struggled mm-hmm. a little bit. It was it was only after the changes, really, in the second half, when Isaiah Jones and Marcus Force were introduced that, that Borough improved. But it but he made an impact from the bench last night, clearly, didn't he? An assist and a goal yep. or a goal and an assist. Um what have you made of McGree's situation? And, and and do you think on the back of that last night he'll be back in the team on, on Saturday?
1: Yeah, the, the situation's a, a funny one, isn't it? Because I know Riley McGree, for some fans, he's a bit of a Marmite character. So some love him and think he's the best thing since sliced bread and others, not so much. Uh, and I think there's probably more in one camp than in the other. But there, there is a clear split there, I think, in in supporters uh, between what they think of him. For me, I, I, look, if I was a football manager, which clearly I'm not, um, he'd be in the team every week. I just think when he's there, Borough tick and he does so many things well. And I, I just felt like last night, and I don't know about you, Don, but it, it's that to me seemed like a performance from a player who wanted to prove a bit of a point. You're right in what you say. You know, he hasn't been—he's been in and out of the team. He's been coming off the bench, um, and he wants to play football, doesn't he? A, a player like him who was playing against Lionel Messi in the World Cup not too long ago—he doesn't want to be sat on the bench. He wants to be in the thick of it. Uh, and getting amongst it uh, and last night i thought the changes that michael carrick made when mcgree came on had exactly that impact his goal was brilliant i mean a bit of individual brilliance uh, and skill there to to take the shot on from 20 yards out curl it round the keeper into the into the far post uh, and then to set up morgan rodgers so you know i did i did fear at the weekend when he started and I, the result going the way it did i thought I wonder if, you know, um, he will have to really fight for his place even more now off the back of that. But, yeah, there wasn't a lot of Borough players who had a good game against West Brom, were they? So, you know, he he was lumped in with with the rest of them in, in that regard. But, yeah, for me, Riley McGree can be the difference maker as he proved last night with the goal and with an assist. And hopefully now that will see him kick on again uh, and sort of cement his place. I think Saturday against QPR could be a big game for him if he if he starts.
0: Well, well, I was going to say it's an interesting one now, isn't it? Because I thought that Isaiah Jones was probably Borough's best player of the starters yeah. last night until the changes, um, obviously made a difference. And, and it worked on the left. He played on the left, and Carrick talked afterwards about how he hasn't played in that role for him. Um, mm. But it, but he put him out there because obviously Marcus Force was on the right side. And and although Jones's final ball wasn't. You know, it wasn't always on point. I, I, I thought he looked Burr's brightness, lively liveliest throughout. He was dangerous cutting in. And and Carrick did make a point in his interviews of, of saying that both to both to the broadcast, to, to the BBC afterwards and and to the written mm. press. So that does give him a decision to make. Um, You know, McGree can play on the right and cut in from the right-hand side. We've seen that. It maybe gives Burr a different dynamic. If you've got two players cutting in, you know, you can easily swap them over at any stage. And... and Yeah. And, and last season and this season, it, Carrick likes that front three behind the strike. it be fluid, doesn't he? So um, that there are options there. Lucas Engel um, at left back, mm. I think he's had a bit of a tough start, Engel. Um, you know, he was put, thrust straight into it. And, and I thought he struggled in the first half at Bolton on Tuesday night. But second half, he grew into it. He got forward, he had more of an impact. And he made a brilliant interception when Bolton against the runner play had that chance in 10 minutes. From mm. time So so, hopefully, we've talked a lot about how Latte Lath has made an encouraging start. Hopefully Engel can build on that as well.
1: Yeah, and just going back to the Isaiah Jones thing, I mean, you're right. I, I thought in terms of a player who is direct, um, can pull your team up the pitch, he gives Middlesbrough that in spades, doesn't he? And he did that a few times, specifically in the second half last night, just getting it and running and... It's a well worn path, but defenders hate pace against them, don't they? And that directness, and that's what he offers. Riley McGree, different in that sense that, you know, not the not the fastest, certainly not as fast as Isaiah Jones, but just has that little bit of something where he can set them up, he can score them and do it himself as well. Isaiah Jones, I think we all know his quality. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Jones for all sorts of reasons, um, but. Yeah, just last night. I think that final ball was just the, the thing where, hopefully he can he can develop that and and have a, a bigger impact in that regard as we've seen him do in the past. Do you know what I mean? He, he's had a huge impact in the past with his balls into the box and whatnot. So just didn't quite work for him last night. And Rally McGree seemed to seemed to work that well. Um, as for Lucas Engel, yeah. <laughs> It's with new signings, you never know how they're going to really settle in uh, uh, and adapt, and especially, I guess, that's the the calculated risk that Middlesbrough will have taken with Lucas Engel, which is a player who the stats say he'll get you goals, he'll get you assists, thirty goals in one hundred and eighty appearances, I think it was, for a left back, which is just you know, I remember saying to Michael Carrick, "There's some strikers who would probably like that hit rate." Um, you know, if, if he can adapt well to the championship, um, I think it would. It, he could be a decent replacement after losing, of course, Ryan Giles and all the assists and, and whatnot that, that he brought last season. I just think, with, and the same with a, perhaps a few of the other signings, there's just going to need to be a little bit of patience. And in football, there often isn't a lot of that, is there? But there's certainly signs last night that there's something there and you could see why Middlesbrough, Brought him to the club in the first place,
0: and and I do think it's worth stressing. We, you know, Michael Carrick strikes me as the type of head coach who, in an ideal world, he get he'd get a player in and give him a couple of weeks to find the feet to get the grip. Yeah, with, with, with what they want. Especially, I think you know we we saw last year that fullback is a key position for Michael Carrick, a, a key position. So it, Lucas Engel was in. Would he sign on the Tuesday, the Wednesday? I was off that week straight into the team on the Saturday. Which, which clearly highlighted Borough's need to strengthen in that area. Um, but then Carrick said last night that Hayden Coulson's also had a bit of a thigh problem, which is why he's missed the last couple of squads. But he, he, he's had to learn on the job. And I think for, for Engel, for Latho Lath, for whoever else who joins
1: between now Rogers and as well, think, you could say, probably. Yeah. He's had to learn on the job as well, hasn't he? Yeah,
0: and, and I think this coming international break is going to be really beneficial. Just a couple of weeks to take stock, to 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 you know, to get to grips with a few things. Um the same will be said for for whoever comes in between now and Friday night as well, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah. But it feels obviously you want to go into that break with a win against QPR, mm-hmm. but then it feels like this this break I think is coming at the right time.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And Michael Carrick, we've all seen the videos when he first joined, didn't we, of him in the thick of it on the training ground, uh, talking to his midfielders and all those sorts of things. What to what to do, what to expect, sort of passing on his his experience in that regard, because you get, obviously you get some managers who manage and some who coach and M- Michael Carrick seems to me is very much a manager who wants to do both of those. He'll man manage the players, but he'll, he'll be involved in the training ground as well. Um, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It was more through need. Um, wasn't it? Uh, the, the fact that Latte Lath and Lucas Engel uh, were, were thrown straight in uh, for want of a better phrase and, and done. So I think Michael Carrick said they maybe had a session and a half, one training session and a half that week when they came in ahead of the game on the, on the Saturday. Um, so yeah, I think those are the two signings who will come good and Latte Lath. I like what I've seen from him. I don't know your thoughts, Don, but I think he looks lively, doesn't he? He's obviously got pace, uh, which we said about Isaiah Jones scares defenders, um, and and hopefully once they get that that connection and on the same page and sort of a better understanding of each other, that, that forward three with Latte laugh then in front, um, hopefully we start to see a little bit more quality in that final third from him, because I think at times that's what was lacking last night, was that, that killer instinct in front of goal that would maybe have got Borough home and hosed a little bit sooner than they did, but yeah, I think there's, you know, there's certainly um, sort of green shoots, isn't there, There from Lath and from Lucas Engel. And you're right, that time on the training ground um, during the international break, I think will be huge for getting them bedded in and settled in. And not saying that they're not already. I mean, I asked Mike uh, Michael Carrick about Latte Lath in particular. And he was saying, Oh, he's a great character around the place, really bubbly, lights up the room, and you know, he's a really likable character. So clearly the these players are settling in well because of the, the atmosphere and the togetherness that that Carrick is building at, at Rockcliffe and in his squad more deeply.
0: How will that squad look on Saturday morning then? It's it's Wednesday, <laughs> early Wednesday afternoon when we're recording this, this vid, this pod, whether you're watching or listening. Um the deadlines obviously Friday night um mm. we asked Carrick on uh, on Tuesday night after the game uh, kind of what he expects what he's hoping for and, and and although you know we know by now that Carrick doesn't like to give a lot of way on transfers he's not going to um do what Tony Mowbray does up the road at Sumlin for example and and, and kind of go into great detail about about the the, the state of deals and, and where mm. things stand um but he made clear as we know that we is still looking to strengthen the squad between now and Friday it's interesting because he there's clearly a balance, Borough looking to strike. He talked about how yeah. um, you have to be prepared for the unexpected in the final days of the window. Things come up that you might not necessarily expect to come up, and yet at the same time, it, the, the terms he used were we don't, we won't panic, we can't be mm. rash. We, we have to stick to the plan and, and we will stick to the plan he, he he said and it's a phrase he's used throughout the summer on a number of occasions we know how we want the squad to look he said we, yeah. we think we know how the last few days are gonna play out um he th- this is a manic time and yet Carrick as ever still seems extremely calm
1: yeah and calm is always the word to use to describe michael carrick isn't it he just never he never looks flustered um, or, or phased by things, and yeah, it's it, look we've seen, haven't we, in the last what eighteen months, maybe more? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a very clear change in in transfer strategy since Kieran Scott's come in, um, with this this ethos now of buying these young, hungry um, prospects who you know, from around Europe who can come in, make an impact um, and then maybe in time Middlesbrough move on for a, a quite a hefty fee. And yeah, in, in doing so, it's, I mentioned it earlier, but it, it's calculated risk in, at times, isn't it? Because you never quite know what you're going to get. And sometimes prospects can go, one of two ways. It can be great. They might start really well and then fizzle out. They might start really poorly and then build up to something and they need help along the way. You're not buying a, a ready-made uh player who is going to come in and guarantee you that 29 goals a la Chubarak Pom, you know. But Michael Carrick, I remember this was aimed at him in his press conference a couple of weeks back and somebody said, you know, yeah, the, the signings you've got, though, there's nobody there to guarantee your goals. And it was a, a really, I thought, again, calm and measured response from Michael Carrick. And he says, yeah, but you might have said that last season. Nobody would have guessed that Tuba Akpon would go on and score 29 goals in a season. So, the you, you know, the, the the same the similarities, I suppose, in that sense can be drawn that, you know, whether it's going to be Latte Lath, whether it's going to be Morgan Rogers, whether it's going to be Riley McGree, I think what they're expecting this season is for the rather than having one clear talisman who bangs you the goals, it's more about spreading that those goals out. And and Carrick related back to his experience at Manchester United, which he very rarely does. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, Don, but he's he's very almost reluctant to mention, isn't he? His, his his time as a player, it's all about the here and now. He it's all about prompt, his place. Has
0: to be prompted and asked directly. Yes, north,
1: yeah. It? Yeah, you have to physically say and, and go to him and say, your experience as a player, your experiences in this situation. And then he'll talk about it, but he'll never really offer it up, which I think is, a, again, a, a mark of the man. But he he was asked about times and when Ronaldo left Manchester United. He said, <laughs> well, look, you, you're never going to go and find another Ronaldo easily. So for Manchester United in that time, it was about, making sure they brought in two or three other players who they knew would be steady, chip away with the goals, and they could replace him in that sense. It's not a, You're not replacing him like for like, but you're replacing him in a different way. And I think that's what Middlesbrough are trying to do this summer. And just to bring it back full circle, yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see. I, I'm fascinated to see how they see out this window now because I, I would be... I would be surprised if there isn't incomings between now and the closure of the window, even if the, you know, I'd be probably surprised as well if, if there wasn't a, an outgoing or two. Um, I know Carrick has said he wasn't expecting any, wasn't planning for any, but you said it, Dom. The, this point in the window is bonkers, isn't it? You just never know what's going to happen. Things can come out of a complete left field that you weren't expecting. A player might become available. Something might happen. And all of a sudden, Middlesbrough, um, you look at it in the cold light of day after the window's closed and you go, yeah, well, given who they got, if the, if there are extra signings coming in, um might end up being a really good window. But I do think they're just lacking that experience. That's what they need. And I think Borough fans would agree listening to this, probably screaming out all all window, just need some experience now. So need some uh some real championship experience, uh some level headedness, uh to to try and just pad out that squad in the sense of uh, a team that can really compete and have experience in those big moments in what you hope will be a a, a playoff push, a promotion push campaign.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned there about potential exits. Josh Corburn we we know um, uh, Carrick has made no secret, really. He, he danced around the subject a little bit, but as the summer's gone on, it's become increasingly mm-hmm. clear, really, that in an ideal world, they'd like Coburn to, to go out on loan again. The, the 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 you know if if Borough can get a signing in a striker in then Coburn looks set to join Plymouth on loan for the year which which you know we'll talk about on here if if and when that goes through I think mm. I think that'd be a good next a good next natural step for Coburn we know how highly Borough think of him he signed a long term deal um recently he impressed at Bristol Rovers last year second half of the season was a bit more tricky when he was nursing I think yeah. it was a bit of a knee injury um but it's a logical next step to then hopefully go and play. A, regularly in the championship um in terms of incomings if if corburn goes that probably leaves latte lath as the only natural yeah. recognised striker really they need to... another
1: striker don't they, they yeah. need another striker
0: um and number 10 you, you nailed it there carrick's talked again and again hasn't he about you know we, we, we won't necessarily be looking for a like for like replacement for Akpom, and yet Still not convinced Matt Crooks looks overly comfortable as the number 10. So so you 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 know that's that you know an area Borough are looking to strengthen. And then in midfield, um Alex Mowat was by no means the most important player in the Borough squad last last season, but he was useful, and we saw that yeah. at the end of the season when Johnny Howson was out. Um and Borough still look Probably one light in that in that department. So that that's an area. Uh, those three areas are the, are the positions Borough would like to strengthen before mm. uh, before Friday's deadline. Liverpool defender Nat Phillips was linked on Tuesday, kind of random out the yeah. blue link, really. But that's an example of what we were talking about. Where I don't know, I don't know whether there's genuine. <laughs> just, there. just, just like, like where did
1: that cool. come from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, such is life in the final days and hours mm. of.
1: Of the transfer
0: window, um,
1: but we just need our yellow. T- we just need our yellow ties, done.
0: Ah, God, yeah. My uh, tie <laughs> just to the left of me here, but I'm not going to start ruffling about now. Um, it felt to me at the start of this week, where obviously after the disappointment of West Brom, you looked at you looked at the week ahead. You've got a cup game, then the final three days, of the transfer window, then then the QPR league game. Uh, what has the look on paper of a winnable league game going into the international break? And it felt then that if Borough winning the cup, then managed to bring in a couple of signings, two or three signings, and then beat QPR, yeah, suddenly everything changes just like that, doesn't it? And you go into the break with a spring in your step.
1: Yeah, and that's that's it. That's um, the joys and the pains of football, isn't it? This sport that we love and we talk so passionately about uh, and people pay their hard-earned money to follow their team up and down the country because in the blink of an eye, it, in one week, it can go from catastrophe to celebration. It can also go the other way, as we know all too well. Um, but certainly, I think the how Middlesbrough navigate these last few days of the window will... I think, dictate how a lot of fans feel going into that game against Queen's Park Rangers, despite the results last night against Bolton. You know, if they have a really strong end of the window, they tick off those boxes. And I completely agree with what you were saying, Dom, those, in terms of those positions and areas where Borough need to strengthen. Up front, absolutely, they need uh, another body in there um the you know the, the 10 roll and midfield potentially to to just give a little bit of extra cover but if they have a strong end to that window everybody goes into the qpr game with that added momentum um and optimism you hope and you again writing in what you're saying the qpr game is a winnable game if borough want to be pushing for the playoffs and promotion this season it certainly should be a win- winnable game uh on paper and it all looks rosy in the garden. If only football worked like that. <laughs> if only it was as simple as as that. Let's hope it is. Let's hope it is because, um, yeah, it it, uh, it it hasn't been the start of the season that everybody would have hoped for, including I'm sure that you know Michael Carrick. He said as much. Um, so let let's hope a, a busy few days in the window. A solid performance against Queens Park Rangers, three points in the back pocket, and you you drift off into the international break, um, wishing the uh, the international break away, don't you? And uh, waiting for the the restart of it all again.
0: Well, we as I mentioned at the top, we had we yeah, your colleague Mark Drury on. Um... Last week, and and we were chatting about ahead of the West Brom game, we were talking about how Carlos Corbran and Michael Carrick are the direct opposite in the dugouts. Yes, but one's a jack in the box; the other is uh, is, is largely unmoved by what he mm. what he sees, or certainly that's what we see. You know, clearly what will be happening inside is very different. Um, you you've done plenty of touchline reporting uh, uh, for for tease obviously. What what's that like? What, what kind of what do you see? <laughs> what do you see? What do you hear that? Us in the press box or fans in the stands don't get to see or hear
1: everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, quite literally everything. Um, I mean, it's great, honestly. I love doing touchline, it's it was brilliant. We don't do it as much now. Um, but uh, it's it's just it's such a different perspective of the game, you get a whole different idea of the game um, in the sense of, well, first of all, the view is very different. Uh, so it takes a little while to get used to that, but more so the conversations on the pitch. I mean, you hear them loud and clear, you know, if uh, like put thinking promotion, uh, promotion season, if Adam Clayton is going through or, or uh, Grant Ledbetter and Adam Clayton are having a, a back and forth, you can hear it. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's a unique position. It's very privileged position to be in, in, in that sense as well, because you are getting an insight that so very few of the years have managed to do so. Gary Phillips used to do it for century, uh, way back when, when Ali and Bernie were doing the the commentary for century, Mark did it, um, when Ali was a uh, commentator for us here at teas. Um, and then, uh, then it was me. And, uh, Yeah, it's in terms of like the the nuts and bolts of it, it's a very different thing to do from commentary. So commentary or presenting uh, a a show, you're filling the space, aren't you? You're filling the, you know, this needs to be an hour or you're commentating on this first half, which is 45 minutes, and you are there for that 45 minutes to describe and paint the pictures for people at home. On the touchline, it's very much say what you need to say and shut up (laughs) and leave leave it to the comment the 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 main part of it to the commentator so it's very restricted in the sense that um it goes against your entire nature as a broadcaster which is to talk you have to be very very direct and sharp with your points um to try and just bring that level of insight but also it's keeping your head on a swivel um you know you there's always something going on. So if the passage of play is over here, but there might be something really interesting going on off the ball, a conversation between the two centre-backs over here that you're trying to pay attention to. While that's happening, to your left, there might be a substitution that's getting ready. So you're trying to keep a note on that as well. And it's very frantic and very busy, um, but it is without a shadow of a doubt the best seat in the house uh, for all sorts of reasons of just getting that insight of, different managers how they operate how they interact with their players when it's going well how they interact with their players when it's not going well do they hide i use hide as a you know for want of a better phrase but do they if it's going bad do they sit on the bench and and keep a low profile for the first 10 minutes after conceding are they out they you know they'll they'll take the stick if it's coming to them they'll be out on the edge of the technical area unmoved um, it there's loads of little different aspects to it, and you you learn to uh read body language very, very well and lip read very well. Also, <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, do, you, do you find then that because I'd imagine that I, 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 you almost wouldn't be watching the game, but you'd be mm-hmm. watching everything that surrounds the game, like you say, the, the, the dugouts, the players, the little battles and conversations that are going on, rather than taking the big gaming as a whole, or or do you just learn with time and experience to take it all in as one?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of both. So I think the overriding thing is that my my job as a a touchline reporter isn't to tell you who is on the ball right now. That's Mark's job or Ali's job, as was. Um, My job is to tell you the little bits. Like you say, when you're in the stands, you don't hear or you don't see or if you're there in the stands and you're watching it, like you say, you'll be. You might be following the play. You might not realise that so and so's uh, centre backs just absolutely gone nose to nose with their centre forward, and they're having a bit of a push and shoving match. And in fact, that's been going on for the last five minutes because they've been talking to each other the entire game. And there's a bit of needle there. That and that's your job as the the touchline reporter is to bring that something else away from the the directness of who is on the ball right now. It's more about just filling in the edges of that of and telling the story of the dugout and telling the story of, okay, um, Middlesbrough have just conceded. Well, how have the players reacted to that? So you're constantly scanning the pitch to try and pick up on it any little nuances, or, like I say, body language or or anything like that, that, um, that can, again, paint that picture for people at home because that's, that's what we're there to do, right? With radio is is make people who aren't there feel like they're there and, and take them into the the real minute detail of it all, so that they feel they're across it all. It's not just that was a great ball or that was a great shot. It's yeah, well, that's happening now. But there's also this un- this this, this uh, undercurrent of the two managers having to go at each other on the touchline, or you know. The temperature from the stand is raising and people are getting frustrated with whatever they're seeing. There's so much to it. But, like I say, yeah, it's, it's, um, you do learn after a while. I think I did it all in all and still do it occasionally. It's about like five or six seasons now. You do learn in that time to take it all in as one. And you know when, when you can switch your attention to other things and when you need to stay focused on the ball and, when the goal goes in and everyone's going berserk and you are searching and looking for <laughs> yeah. little things so yeah it's um it's more frantic than i thought it was when i first started doing the job i mean when um when sadly obviously ali passed and uh and, and mark um became the the Middlesbrough commentator and i went in to do touchline and having never done it before it, it's unlike anything else you would do in broadcasting like i say because it is so short and sharp and you have to have this sort of 360 vision all the time um it took a while to really get into the groove of it a little bit and figure out how you make something of this uh, and make it your own you know um but i uh, it's it's brilliant and we're in a very privileged position to be able to provide that for people i think
0: I, I could ask you loads about that, but I'm conscious I don't want to keep you all there, obviously. But just a couple, no, it's all right. a couple of questions: who who's been more so, I guess, opposing managers, but Borough managers as well. Who who's been box office down there on the in in the technical areas? And and the second question on the back of that, I don't know whether you saw Pep Guardiola when um, Man City beat Newcastle last week, and a fan was clearly telling him yes. what to do, and Pep started giving a bit back in, in good jest. You could tell it, yeah, was it was. was. Like, um, how I, I, I guess you'll be able to hear everything that the fans are saying. You touched on it there when you know fans are getting frustrated. It, it's an art, isn't it, for the managers all the time to to be able to not bite because we know from from experience how fiery some of these characters are. I, it's almost a surprise, really, that more don't bite back, like like Pep yeah. did, even though his was lighthearted.
1: Well, before so before I started doing the touchline reporting. Uh, stuff I always questioned just how much managers would actually hear things from the stand it's like oh yeah well we can hear it up here because we're in and amongst it in the in the stand or in the press box but then down there can they really hear it and <laughs> yes they can <laughs> they absolutely absolutely can um I remember I think it was talk Karanka in his days, when there was the chance of attack, attack, attack. Um, if you remember that. Uh, and I remember Mark coming down to me and saying, oh, you know, Rob, what's it, you know, uh, something like Temperatures are starting to, uh, to, to flare a little bit here. Let's go down to the touchline. Rob, what's it like down there? And I remember saying, um, you can very clearly hear the chance of attack 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 you can very clearly hear the the shouts of discontent from the stands and I said to mark on that occasion if I can hear it he can definitely hear it because <laughs> I am I, I am maybe five yards 10 yards away from that technical area or where the manager is standing at any given time and um yeah the you know it's I'm with you. I'm surprised that there haven't been more occasions where managers have turned around and, you know, a gesture or a a look or like Pep Guardiola, a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, In terms of those who have been a bit more box office, Jose Mourinho, of course, uh, was just uh, bizarre, but brilliant. (laughs) Uh, The only manager I've seen turn up to the riverside with his own personal security. Who stood outside of the dressing room uh, while he was giving his team talks and whatnot? Uh, it was very, very strange. Um, obviously, from a borough perspective, Tony Pulis was just—I mean, I said earlier about having to needing 360 vision. With Tony Pulis, it was simplified because you just watch tony pulis you know he just <laughs> because he was he lived and breathed every single ball didn't he and some of that is for the cameras and for sure and uh and some of it is to try and you know get the fans with him as well and sort of try and build a bit of momentum and that us against the world type feeling if things are going your way and decisions are going your way and you get the oh, oh, and he's off and he's water bottles down or whatever um He was always really fun to watch. Um, I thought Karanka was just... uh, Karanka was was interesting in the sense that he always had, no matter what happened, this very steely, cold look on his face, whether the winning or losing. But the second Middlesbrough scored a goal, it was like all of that just evaporated from him. And it, it was like he was a player again. And he'd always run to his bench and he'd embrace his coaching staff and um, and and Jonathan Woodgate was an interesting one to watch as well because you could see, physically see just how much it meant to him uh, for for Middlesbrough to win a game, uh, you know, and to to do well. You could see what that meant to him as a as a local as a local lad. So yeah, there's been a, a fair few down the down the road who have been um, both the wild and the wonderful. Dom is a, is a way to perhaps put it, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly never dull down there, that's for sure.
0: There's the name of our uh, of our episode, the wild, the, the wild <laughs> movie,
1: Rob Law of Google T's. Thanks,
0: thanks so much, Rob, for joining us. No uh, great to have you on. We'll do it again in the future, hopefully, because um, I'm sure there's loads more we can ask you and pick your brains about being down there pitch side and, and, and what you see <laughs> around the tunnel. Um, let's see how the last few days play out for Borough. Obviously, the deadline's Friday mm-hmm. night. We'll, we'll have all the coverage uh, on the Echo. We'll have a live blog running throughout the day on Friday as well, up to the, up to the deadline. And then, obviously, we'll have coverage of the QPR game on Saturday. Uh, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already on YouTube. Uh, leave a comment if there's anything you want us to discuss. Scott's back next week, so I'd imagine we've got a fair bit to catch up on. Uh, and if you're listening on podcast, then obviously... Um, rate review as well uh, and pass pass on to your mates family so so hopefully we can get more eyes and ears on future episodes thanks very much again rob catch up soon no well, problem mate good, good to again. see you take care thanks Cheers, pal. all the best